Welcome to Kuhau Podcast. We thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know that you are a part of a new loving family. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you and transforms your life. Now stay tuned for today's message. We're going to go into James chapter 1, verse 19 to 26. We're going to read and then I will speak what I feel like the Lord was um, sharing with me to share with you guys. It says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your heart, for it has the power to save. Repeat after me, humbly accept the word that God has planted in your heart. It has the power to save. Verse 22, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says, otherwise you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to what the word, to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, you will do what it says and don't forget what you heard. Then God will bless you for doing it. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourselves and your religion is worthless. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Refusing to let the world corrupt you. Let's bow our heads. Lord, we bless you and we thank you, O God. And Father, I thank you that you are the God of this universe that you are the God of the far, far galaxies, that you are the God of the comets and the stars, that you are a God of every living organism, that you are the God of everything that flows through us and out of us, oh God. We thank you, oh God, and we lift you up here this morning, oh God, knowing that you are in control, that you, that you, that you love us, oh God, so much. And Father, I just ask you that I may be emptied of me and you filled of you, and Lord, that every heart in this place may be open, oh God, to hear what you're trying to communicate here today, oh God. Not what I'm communicating, oh God, but what you're communicating, Lord. I ask you this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Javi. <laughs> Woo! So, how many of us know that advice, whether warranted or not, is always given? Right? Whether you're asking for it, whether you're looking for it or not, it is at your door. Right? So there were some things that I was listening, that I was watching. I was like, wow, Lord, I said, you know, we grow up listening to other people's advice. Others wanting to share their opinion about what we should or we shouldn't be doing. And one of the biggest things that, especially for us Hispanic um, households, is you never, ever put your purse on the floor. No, you just don't do it. I've had people stop walking. I put my purse on the floor, right? I've been redeemed by Jesus. None of that flows over here, right? I put my purse on the floor. I have people, people I don't even know. Miss, miss, no, no. Go get me a chair and put, the purse on, and put my purse on the chair. And I just look at them. And I'm like, the first thing I say to them is say, hey, I don't, that for me doesn't mean much, but but people really get nervous about it. 
right? And they're like, no fortune, you won't ever get money, you won't ever get riches. I'm like, what? Why does that even make sense, right? Then one of the other things, that is, another thing is that us, me and Jenny, it's so funny, me and Jenny were talking about this yesterday. We were at City Field, and we see this um, Caucasian couple, and their kid has no socks and no hat. Meanwhile, us Hispanics do this to our kids. Right? You need to put a hat on. You need to put a hat on. You need to put socks on. No, don't go outside like that. Don't, you're going to get sick. You're gonna, the, the kid is going to get sick. But meanwhile, the couple we saw yesterday, I know it was warm, but it was a little breezy. That baby had no socks, no hat. And I told you, this is why they don't get sick. <laughs> this is exactly why they don't get sick, because they don't do this to their children. Right? Another one is sleep, uh, your hair wet. I don't know about you guys, but me growing up, 40, 30 degree weather, where I can wet my hair, put it, gel it, feel the hardness in it, walking to school was the best thing in the world, because we used to compare. Oh, your hair is hard. Oh, girl, you have to feel my crinky in my hair. You got to feel my gel. And that was all from walking outside. And guess what, guys? Never caught pneumonia. <laughs> Never caught the flu, thank God. Right? All that from walking outside, but people are quick. People want to, hey, don't, nope, don't do that, don't do that, because you don't know what can happen. How about this one? I think a lot of them have to do with sickness, too. That's interesting. Your slippers in the morning. How many of us have grown up where we're like, don't walk barefooted, you're gonna catch something? I'm like, I love to be barefooted. I don't understand. I'm like, I tell, I tell my mother, I'm like, we understand in 2019 that we get sick from germs and not from walking barefooted, right? We get sick from putting hands in our mouths, not, right? Can we, can we agree with that? No, I'm just shattering mentalities today. Is that what I'm doing right now? I'm shattering mentalities. Oh, this is a good one. Which made me think about something else, but I'm going to share it with you. How about this one? Which one's this one? <laughs> No. Anybody who doesn't know, if somebody, if you're single and somebody sweeps that broom across your feet, that's it. You're done. All right? That's the old wives tale. That's the advice you get. The older folks be like, no, no, no. No, no, no. Which made me think about something else, which is funny, because I was like, is that why people put the broom when they do get married and jump over it? Like, ha-ha, broom, I conquered you. I did this. Is that why? That's what I was thinking to myself. I was like... I Last night I was like, man, I was looking at the picture, I was like, is that why they put the broom on the floor? I mean, are we saying that the broom is your enemy and you've conquered it and you have to jump over it? Like, think about it. That's symbolic. That's like you, like, jumping forward. Like, what? Like, I got you. You, you in the dust right now. <laughs> Advice is funny, right? Warranted or unwarranted, it is funny. It is funny, but people usually give you advice because of what they've experienced, right? People, people give you advice or tell you what to do or what not to do just because of their experience. And it's funny because it's something that they've been through and, they, and you know, they will speak to you on what happened or what hasn't happened. And here in the book of James, this is something that I thought about regarding this very scripture. Because I was like... So hearing and doing, which is the kind of like the thing of the whole chapter, 
I've heard a trillion, not a trillion, that's an exaggeration, you guys know that, right? <laughs> Hundreds of preachings on hearing and doing. And I thought to myself, I said, okay, you know, that sounds good. They all, they, most of them sounded the same. Some of them have a few different points, but most of them sounded the same. And I said, this is what my thinking makes, when being a thinker works out for me. Because I said, and this is the only time, only when it has to do with scripture. Because otherwise than that, it drives me to the floor. I said to myself, I said, Lord, is that really it? Like all these preachings I've heard, is that really it? And what I call these little things in my brain that go, the what ifs, right? And I said to myself, I said, what if James, the brother, right? We know that James is the brother of Jesus. Jesus was the oldest, then James came because of the way they chronologically, when they name all the brothers and sisters, James comes second. It makes me wonder if James thought about something that Jesus experienced as a child and reflected on his character and his responses. Right? This makes me wonder if it says, if he saw him growing up, his older brother, Jesus set the example, right? How many older siblings are here? How many older siblings are here? And we tell our young, I tell my younger sister, bro, I broke the wall for you. Like, you get away with stuff because I walk through it. Right? That's, I mean, no, yeah, you can clap. It's true. I tell my sister, the stuff that you get away with, right here, girl, you owe me. Right? He saw him go through his teen years and everything associated with it, you know, and I'm thinking about Jesus as the boy, and I'm like, bro, you went through puberty. You went through smelly feet, right? I have an older boy. Oh my God, he's not here, is he? Anyway, <laughs> I have a 19-year-old. I know I don't look like I have a 19-year-old, but I do. And I'm like, and I'm like, I'm like, no, like you went through the awkwardness with your voice. You went through the tag team with the shower. You went through the I'm gonna wear the same socks for five days. You went, you know what I'm saying? Like I, I can see James saying, "That's my brother. Like that's what he that's what he did." You know, he had to deal with rumors, right? You know, Jesus was set apart. He had to deal with these rumors. He had to deal with, um, with um, picking up after dinner from his family, right? He had to deal with, um, you know, the, oh, what's that thing we used to play with your feet to see who was it? Oh, you guys are young. You had to, you had to flip. <laughs> they were flipping rocks to see who was, play, who was it in tag, Right? We, we have to, to think about that. It says the Bible, the Bible doesn't give us many details on Jesus and his younger life, but this verse assures that he is understanding of everything we have experienced. And Hebrews 4.15 4, says this, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So not only was he the head of the clan, but then he was the perfect example. Can you imagine what that created within his brothers and his sisters? I say that, I say, I'm going to make you guys laugh. I grew up being the compliant child. Me. My sister's a rebel. All right? So, but can you imagine what that created within his brothers and his sisters? This is the example I have to follow, the one without, the one, the perfect one here. This is the, this is the one, the one who doesn't raise his voice, the one that doesn't get angry, right? And it's funny because I'm like... That's so interesting, you know, and, and, and he's, he, you know, the Bible says that he was without sin. And, and so it brought me this to where James says in verse 19 where he says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. 
And I said, man, Lord, that's not even fair. Right? And I'm like, if he was that set apart, right, and although he experienced everything, he went everything by what God said. He did everything by what God said. And, and, and he must have been the most compliant child in history, right? If you guys have ever seen children, they are funny creatures. I say children are funny creatures, adults are funny creatures. You guys have stages of being funny creatures, right? And, and I wondered to myself, I'm like, did people make fun of him because he might have been awkward or the last man out or not doing what everybody else was doing? You know, it makes me wonder that about him. It makes me wonder if, if he had to deal with people coming at him. And, and, and I wonder if James, as a reflection, says, man, you got to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to be angry. I wonder if he saw that perfect example within his brother. So let me make something clear. James did not believe that Jesus was the son of God and his savior until way after. Crucifixion and resurrection. Way after. But it makes me wonder if after that resurrection, he started thinking to himself, man, I remember when fulano de tal came to punch Jesus in the face because he didn't want to give him something, and Jesus just turned the other cheek. I remember when they were accusing him of taking stuff or because some chick over there liked them or whatever, and he was paying no mind, but he's trying to mind his business, but that dude over there thinks that Jesus is giving her the eye. And he was like, and he just stood there and said, nope, I'm going to be quick to listen. I'm going to be slow to speak. That's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do. And it says here, in Proverbs 17, 27, says this. It says, a man of knowledge restrains his words, and a man of understanding keeps a cool head. This is life in practice for some of us, right? It's life in practice for me. Guys, my mouth was <clears throat> reckless. Um, and I'm just trying to teach my face to be as disciplined as I'm trying to get my mouth. <laughs> Sometimes people look at me that way. Me, I'm like, yo, I'm just trying to keep it together. <laughs> I just got to tell my face, right? But, Jesus also, um, but James also goes on to write, human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your souls. And, and 2 Timothy 2.24 says this, a servant of the Lord must not quarrel but, be, but must be kind to everyone. Be able to teach and be patient with difficult people. Difficult people. Can you imagine? Okay, let's be realistic. For some people, we are the difficult people. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> let's, let's not think that we're not. I know for some people, I am the difficult person. Some people meaning my husband. I know that for some people, because everybody else pretty much loves me. And my husband does too, but he deals with the difficult side of me, right? Right? I mean, come on, guys. It's all right. So, it's that, so I'm saying, Lord, we have to deal with difficult people. We're not sure about this. We, I don't know, Jesus. I don't, I don't know, I don't know if, this, if I can do this. And, and you want me to view people the way you do? Not be offended? Not take it personal? 
Do you know what just happened to me? Do you know the pain they just caused? Do you know how they have been plotting against me? Do you know? And Jesus is saying, yes, I know, but I, I, I'm, in this verse he's saying, listen, that type of anger does not produce Human anger, and then I'm like, human anger, Lord, what does that even mean? But human anger does not produce what, G, what God needs from you. Right? The Bible calls us to be as children. That's, that's, that's that type of, you know? The Bible doesn't say you can't be angry. It's saying don't let, your sun, don't let the sun set on your anger. So our human side of taking it personal and taking it with us, have we ever heard this? I'm taking this to the grave. Whew. Do you know that root that you are setting within yourself? Do you know the root and the fruit that you're producing there with your human anger? It is amazing. It is amazing the stuff that we make vows to. And we don't think anything of them. Nothing. But yet your lens for your future will always, always be seen through that lens of that root of bitterness or that root of resentment, no matter what. Have you ever had a person say this to you? What's wrong with you? I didn't even do anything to you. In your response to something that that person had nothing to do with? But that, that's what your human anger can produce. Your human anger can cause you to take that out on the next person. And then you're thinking to yourself, well, this is just the way I am. Mm, I don't know. We're taught that way. Right? And it's a defense mechanism. Listen, I'm not bashing anybody. I've done it. I've made those vows. I've sat there and be like, mm -mm -mm. nope, that's never happening to me. But I've also been humbled before the presence of God. And his love has taken over. And he has shown me that no longer do I have to build these walls to take them down. Because now, now, we're, now in this season of my life, we're working through breaking down some things. And now I'm like, Lord, now I'm seeing perspectives to something different. No longer is my human anger controlling me because it's not desiring. It's not desiring what you want from me. My human anger is desiring what I've built for myself. It has, it's not desiring what you want from me. So it's telling me, get rid of all that filth. Get rid of all that filth because it will, what does that verse say? It will save your soul. And it's not something, it's interesting because I'm thinking about Jesus. And I'm like, Lord, like, you know, uh, it's tough. It's tough in the world we live in. It's tough in what we do. And, and how, do we, how do we walk this out? And how do we do this? And how does this even, what does this even look like? And, and the good thing about James is that his advice doesn't just stop there, right? Can we, can we agree? Like James is like, let me teach you something. And in verse 22, he says this. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in the mirror. You see yourself, walk away, forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free. Here we go again. And if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. James is not just letting you know for the first part. He's telling you, hey, I'm going to teach you how to walk this out. You know that song? Oh, you guys don't know that song, right? Oh, 
This my this my 90s babies. I'm not gonna sing because you know I don't wanna I don't wanna walk up here. You know, you guys don't know. I was a little ballerina back in the day. So here James is letting us know. He compares this to a man looking in the mirror. This thought came into my mind when I reread this. So this, like I said, I've heard this over and over and over again, and I'm like, Lord, okay, the mirror, yes. You know, we've preached on this. I'm like, I'm like, Lord, but what else? You know, like what else? And and this is what this is what the Lord placed in me. He's like, what do you look at when you when you, when what do you look at? What do you see? Sorry, when you look at yourself in the mirror. God, answer me. What do you see when you look yourself in the mirror? You. Right? You see you? Yes? Okay, amen. All right, I'm just making sure. <laughs> you see an image of yourself. Now, it's interesting because I, I our society has these things, and, and with the internet, things are like lightning fast, and they have these buzzwords, like positive vibes. You guys know how I feel about that, no? All right. Exactly, good vibes only. But it also has something all of a sudden now they're saying, be your authentic self. I said, okay. And this is what we're teaching. Be your authentic self it means letting the shine, letting the, the issues, the issue, the, the, be who you are, right? Be who, be, your, be just right here. All about me, 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 me. And the issue with that is that those people who... We've all been there, right? We all go through the stage of me, me, me. Violet right now is in that stage of you give her something, everything is mine. <laughs> it's like ingrained. She's like, she's, uh, Taylor gave her a bracelet earlier. She's like, mine. I'm like, it's not yours. <laughs> right? I'm trying to explain that to a, 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 a who, somebody who's going to be one. Right? But that's the way we are too. We think about us. Right? And the problem with that is that sometimes when people are searching and searching and searching to finally figure out who their authentic self is, are, is. The problem with that is that that society is forever changing. So although you may reach to a place of authentic self here, I'm going to say 30 seconds from here, right here, that's going to be changed. You know what doesn't change? Genesis 1, 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image and likeness of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. What do you see when you look yourself in the mirror? Yourself. When you see yourself, who are you seeing? Because that was from the beginning of Genesis. From the beginning of creation, God said, hey, you're reflecting me. And that's what people are searching for. When people are finding their authentic self in the world, it's ever-changing. When people are finding their authentic self in God, it's never-changing. Because this still stood the, te the test of time. It stood the test of time. The fall of man. The flood. The exodus. The census in numbers. The kings of the Old Testament, the judges of the Old Testament, that all stood the test of time. When you look in the mirror, you find yourself, you, you see Jesus. 
because that's who you were created in. You were created in his image. I want you to, I have two points for you, and they came to me like lightning bolts when I was burning up in Fort Wadsworth, guys. I burned like a little crispy, I don't know what. <laughs> I want you guys to remember this. Point number one, reset. Thank you, Drew. Reset. Reset. Pick up the mirror. That's it. Reset. Pick up the mirror. Pick up God's word. We are to reflect our father. This is what is interesting. We're not looking for our fallen selves in that mirror. That brings condemnation, judgment, hurt, pain, fear. That's not what we're looking for here. We are to look at God's mirror, his word, and see ourselves through that image. That's what Jesus came for. It says this, Jesus, Jesus did this for us when we look in our mirrors. He says, we are the righteousness of God. We are the children of God. We are purposeful, redeemed, loved by the creator of this universe. The one who holds everything together, holds on to us. His word is our mirror, holding on to his every word so we may not forget and produce the righteousness that is asked of us, not on our own accord, but by the blood of the one who saved us. That is the mirror. We reset. Don't let anybody dictate to you what you should or should not be. Mm -mm. God already called it. He already got dibs on you. <laughs> Just so you know. He got dibs on you from Genesis 1. From the very beginning, he said, oh, no, 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 no. You're going to look like me. You're going to reflect me. You're going to see me. You're going to do this. You're going to, because of me. Because I'm the one who created you. I'm the one who set forth. I'm the one who has called you from the foundations of the earth. It does not get old. I feel like sometimes we take those little things for granted when we're like Jesus. God said we are made in his image. It is in that place. Where I believe Jesus knew from a young child, right? He knew from a young child. I believe he knew from a young child that he was called. And it's in that place where he hung out on every word of what God said that he was distracted, distraction free. Right? Nobody stopped his trek towards the cross. Because he remembered, wait, 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 I was made. I was made, right? We were made in the image of God. There was no way that anything or anyone was stopping him because he hung on every single word, on every single word. And this is our truth. And, and just so you guys know, let me show you something that's interesting because God, because Jesus himself went through, all these emo, went through all these things, all these stages in his life. And even at the age of 12, the only place where it gives us a little snippet of what Jesus looked like. And it says Luke 2, 46 and 47 says, three days later they found him in the court of the temple. He's, he, this, he's talking about his parents, Mary and Joseph. Sitting among the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. All who had heard him were amazed by his intelligence and his understanding and his answers. Jesus walked out what God said. That is what he did. That is what he was doing at the temple. Listening and learning and listening and learning at 12 years old, listening and asking questions, listening and asking questions. And then from that moment on, we jump, the Bible jumps all the way to his ministry, to his public ministry. And I'm like, wow, Lord, like, so if he hung on to your every word, 
how much more do we have to hold on to your every word? And it's like, I believe that, G, that you know, the James is calling us to continuously look into God's mirror. And I think he did it because he saw the obedience in Jesus. I think he wrote it down because he saw, man, my brother did this. He did this. Point number two, remind. Don't forget your mirror. There's a few things here that I... I want to let you know today that others can point out to you who, you who they think you are. They can approach you that way too, right? But since you're constantly looking in God's mirror, in God's word, those things will not phase you. Right? They won't phase you. Those things will not deter you. Right? And I, I think, and I, I, I think about... Um, I think about Jesus and, you know, when he did his public ministry, there was, ton, I mean, tons of people who were after him, who were trying to trip him up, right? The Pharisees tried to trip him up. They were trying to get him to do stuff that was unlawful, but, you know, he hung on and, he's, and, he, came, and he, he came back with God's word. And, and I'm like, Jesus didn't forget who he was his mission, or his purpose. He constantly held on to what God said and was obedient. We can do the same through him who sacrificed himself for us. Jesus is the image that, we must be, that must be seen by us when we look ourselves in the mirror. Because of Jesus not only being a hearer, but a doer of every word that God has spoken, he was undistracted by the mission at hand. Even in one of his possibly weakest moments, he was able to remind himself. Mayling, what? Jesus' is weak moment. What? What are you talking about? We're going to go there. Luke twenty two forty two. 42. He says, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yeah, I want your will to be done, not mine. When we constantly remind ourselves of what God's word is saying, it, no long, it, it, it causes us to surrender our own will and pick up his. It's an automatic. It's a, it's a product. It's, a, it's, it's, the, it's, it's, it's the fruit. It's a byproduct of that. Automatically. Automatically. When you surrender, when you surrender your hurt to Jesus, automatically you are lifted up and you walk around not taking things personal, not being offended. You walk around healed. You walk around as a new creature. You walk around as a new person. You, you, things that used to bother you don't bother you anymore, right? You remind yourself. You remind yourself of everything. You, you remind yourself that you were brought, that you can do all these things, right? And Ephesians 2.13 says this, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. You lay down your will. You lay down your will. And you think about it, and I'm, 
You know, and, and, and because Jesus was able to do this, he accomplished what God has spoken about a long time ago. Where, Mailing? I'm going to show you guys. Genesis 3.15. I have a confession to make. I have read this verse a trillion times, and that's true. <laughs> all right? I've been going to church for a long time, all right? I'm going to say a trillion. It might be infinity, but we'll see, right? And I didn't understand it. I understood the concept of it, but I didn't see the actual visual of it. Does that make sense? Like, I understood what it said. Like, yes, the seed here is Jesus, amen, hallelujah, but I didn't really understand it. And it says this, and I will put enmity, open hostility between you and the woman, and between your, your seed, offspring, and her seed. He shall fatally bruise your head, and you shall only bruise his heel. So what's interesting to me is that you're like, how does this tie in? I'm going to tell you. So the word here, bruise, means shuf. I learned a Hebrew word, shuf. And I'm thinking to myself that when Jesus hung on the word of what God, of what, what God was saying or what God has spoken long ago, it says, it, it's, it's, listen, check this out. It says, Jesus perhaps was reminded here the enemy would only be able to bruise mankind's image. That, it says it right here. And you shall only bruise his heel. Right here. 3.15. But sometimes we act as if we cannot be, parts of us cannot be redeemed. But when we pick up the mirror, God's word, it says here, and you shall only bruise his heel. He would only be able, he would, he would, only, would only be able to question man and create his self-doubt. Only striking a part that would be wounded. Isn't that what he did in the very beginning with Adam and Eve? God said, you're made like me in our image, right? The serpent came and said, did he really say that? Adam and Eve forgot to look at the mirror. They didn't reset. They forgot to see, hang on every word of what God has said. That's what they did. They forgot. Oh, well, I don't know. Maybe he didn't say that. I'm not sure. And that's what happens. All of a sudden, these parts of us that we feel are unredeemable, we start, to, well, you know, and then you begin, we begin to kind of walk away. Walk away. And God is saying, I just need you to reset and remind. Reset and remind. That's all I need you to do. I'm still standing right here. I need you to reset and remind. And Jesus, I can only think about what Jesus during that time said, during the time when he was like, Lord, but your will. And he's saying, he's saying there's a big difference between something biting you and you stepping on it. I had this conversation with Aunt Mariah, my four-year-old, who was freaking out about a little ant. We do it too, right? Those big flying cockroaches, I'm running like a little girl halfway across the room. 
This is a lesson learned for me, too, just so you know. But there's a big difference. There's a big difference between the two things. I told Amariah, I said, Amariah, you're bigger than it. Just step on it. And she looks at me, huh? You're bigger than the ant. Step on it. And that's what, Jesus, that's what we can do through Jesus Christ who died for us. We, we might be wounded. Our heel might be wounded. But here, through Jesus Christ, we're saying we can fatally destroy it. Just by hanging on God's word. You can fatally destroy it by looking in the mirror. You can fatally destroy it by resetting it. You can fatally destroy it. There is no longer, we are no longer bound to those things. We pick up the mirror and we reset. And then we remind ourselves that we are not to walk away until that thing is stepped on. The enemy can cause you to walk away from the mirror, but Jesus is calling you to constantly and consistently not to forget that you were made in his image. <laughs> if we remember anything, I want, when we're in the middle of something, I, I, you know, I like little um, catchphrases. I'm going to ask the worship team to start coming up. Anything that you confront, you hear today, you tell yourself, you tell that thing, God got first dibs. And we're going back to Genesis 1:27. God got first dibs. And this is, what I, this is what I believe James is saying here. He, he, this is what he's saying. He, he wants to remind you, don't walk away. Don't forget who you are. Don't forget the purpose I have placed before you. It is vital to your life that you not only listen to what I am saying, but doing, we're walking out the action. Hebrews 4:12 says this, and this is... It says, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Following Jesus' example, in keeping what James has stated above, he, he gives us one more thing to remember. And this is verse 26. He says, if you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourselves. And your religion is worthless. Worthless in the Greek, I looked it up. I'm going to probably butcher it, but I'm going to tell you. Matthios, I'm going to say. Oh, it's up there. And it is fruitless. If we're not walking it out, it is fruitless. It is fruitless. If we're not doing what God has called us to do, it is fruitless. Your purpose, I don't know. <laughs> and it says, and verse 1 says, it is pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for the orphans and widows in the distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. It says here, when you say, no action, you're deceiving yourself. You're walking around as if, as if it's enough to listen to what God is saying. But Jesus did more than this. He sat with those who were hurting. He sat with those who were searching. 
Because he walked out what God had asked him, Jesus knew we all needed a savior. So he cared for the widows. And I want to break that down just... Widow means when somebody, your spouse dies, right? But let's take even further than that. Let's think about the time when something in your life has died. And you become a widow of that. And we try and we try and we try to resurrect it. And we can't. Jesus came for you. And he came for the orphans. I don't know about you guys. My earthly father, I love him, I honor him. But he's not in my life. So that makes all the sense to me. It is in that place that Jesus came for you and for me. That place where you have been abandoned. So he cared for the widows and orphans like us that we may see God's word fulfilled. He hung on. We need to be reminded of reset and remind. And yell at that thing. God got first dibs. And James believed after he saw his brother resurrected. But I can't help but think that he reflected on all those situations where he saw all these different things happening. And that he saw Jesus hang on to every word that God has spoken. Your call today is to look into God's word and as you search for what God has placed in you, this will cause you to hold on to your joy, your patience, strength, your moving forward, every trial, every fear, because you are holding on to everything that God has said. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Our mission here at Christ Uncensored House of Worship is to love God, love people, and love life. Kuhau is a place where our story is still being written. Together, we can do more than we can ever do alone. If this message has encouraged you and you wish to partner with us in taking this message all across the world, go to kuhau.com slash give or follow us on any social media platform. Thank you in advance for your support and generosity. Come and begin a whole new journey with us.